title of the message today is Intimacy with God. Before we began the service last week, right before it started, I got a text message from my family that Pastor Jack Hayford had passed away. And I, that may be news to some of you this morning as I'm, as I'm saying that. He went home to be with the Lord at 88 years of age. And in fact, I'll put a picture of he and I up there having a chat. This is during, as you can see, during Christmas time. But Pastor Jack had a huge impact on my life. I first heard him on KFSG in Southern California on the radio and loved his ministry, his teaching ministry, and which eventually led me to attend the Church on the Way, which is a church that is known all over the world in its impact for the Lord. And But if there's anybody that, that I would consider having a close, intimate relationship with God, it would be Pastor Jack. He walked very closely with the Lord. Do you remember, you know, like when you're reading the Bible, we recently read it in, in the Bible, in I believe it was in Genesis, where, yeah, it was Genesis, where, you know, Abimelech and God are having a conversation, and God says to Abimelech, hey, don't mess with Abraham because he is a prophet, and if you touch his wife, I'm going to kill you. That's what God said. And first of all, it was amazing that Abimelech was having a conversation with God, but it was really probably based on the fact that God wanted to make it very clear to him as a leader that he was heading in the wrong direction and uh, that God gave him some grace and mercy and said, hey, you're going to die unless something changes really fast. And he says, this man, Abraham, is a prophet very close to me. And I don't want you to touch him or his wife. And, you know, which reminds me, when you talk about intimacy with God, that God loves all of us. You know, it's for God so loved the world. And he loves you with an everlasting love. He knows the number of hairs that are on your head or the lack thereof. And he, he knows about you. He made you. And yet at the same time, he also does not put any limits on how much we are close with him. And I really think like with Pastor Jack or Abraham, that God really wants and desires a friendship with us. In fact, the Bible says that Abraham was called him the friend of God, the friend of God. So are there different degrees at which we can have that friendship and closeness with God? I believe so. I believe there are. And that's why I wanted to talk about this because God wants that with us. And so I want to ask you a question. How close are you to God? Or should I say, or should I ask, how close do you want to be with God? And maybe as we begin the the new year, you know, you've started things new. Maybe you've gotten your Bible reading going again. Maybe you've renewed a commitment to your prayer life. Or maybe you've renewed a commitment to going to church as a as a priority every week or or to serve. You want to get up get involved in the church. But beyond all those things, as important as they are, they have a deeper meaning, and that is that. It has everything to do, prayer, Bible, has everything to do 
with our intimacy with God. And we really can be as close to God as we, as we want. I remember thinking about that when I rededicated my life to the Lord about 30 years ago. I thought when I felt his presence, I kept, kept thinking to myself, he, you know, he places no limits on how much I invite him into my life, how much of his presence I receive. He places no limits on that. And because of that, I want more in Jesus' name. Do you agree with me on that? And the most important thing in your life, it really is. And you and I can choose how close we we want to be with the Lord. And that is not based on how much you know. It's not based on how much you own. It's not based on how much wisdom you may think that you have. It is your relationship with God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, and this is the most important thing in your life. And if it's not the most important thing in your life, guess what? You need to make it the most important thing in your life. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, he lists his great accomplishments. You know, he did a lot of great things before he came to Christ as far as religious things. And he listed them out. And then when you get to Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, he says, I once thought these things were valuable after he listed them out. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And if you look down at verse 10, Philippians 3.10, it says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Does that sound like someone who has a close relationship with God and has abandoned himself to making that the most important thing in his life? It looks like it to me. So he says, before I had Jesus in my life, I had it all as far as accolades, as far as uh, fame and everything like that. And he says, now I count it all as garbage compared to knowing Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you, do you want that close relationship with God? And for so many, they want that close relationship with God uh, when everything falls apart. (laughs) The bottom falls out of your life. Friends forsake you. You lose it all. You get sick. You get trapped in sin. You feel hopeless. And what do we do? We call out to God for that close, intimate relationship with him. Lord, you and I, remember you and I? Oh, Jesus, help me. Help me. I'm in a mess, right? But I'm I'm here to tell you it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be in and out and close with God and then not and then bad times happen and then you're close with God again. It can be close with God through it all. Amen? Amen. You can be close with God in the good times, and you can be close with God in the bad times. So 
Having an intimate relationship with God means closeness. The very word intimate means close. It means personal. It means deep beyond just casual. It means to know him, to obey him, to accept his love. And, and just think about it. When you're talking about pursuing a relationship with God, it is, who is he? Who is this Jesus? I want to know who he is, and I want him to come in in every area of my life and know me. Do you just go about life on an everyday basis and without thinking about God, without thinking about the one who saved you, or do you really want to get to know him personally? I think with everything that's gone on in the last three years in our country and with the COVID and everything else, I think so much of us have just been getting by, trying to to make it and forgetting this one thing, close, intimate relationship with God. And it's time for us to come back to that. Amen. God wants to walk with you. God wants to talk with you. God wants to grow in your understanding of who he is. In the Bible, some of the most intimate chapters in all of Scripture take place in John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. And Jesus, if you think about it, Jesus spent three years walking and talking with his 12, with the disciples. It doesn't get any more close than that, right? When you, if you've been on a camping trip with somebody or Back in the old the day for me, it was, you know, when you're in Boy Scouts or, or for those of you who have been in the military, you're in the military with those group of guys. And you go through some tough stuff together. And the disciples went through a lot together. And what happens as a result of that, you get close. You know, I, I've been in groups like that. Our facilities team on Church on the Way, we were very close because sometimes we were up all night working, cleaning and setting up for all the events that happened on multiple campuses. And that group of guys got very close. Some of you guys that have been in the military, I've heard stories of how close you guys were with each other because your life is on the line. And then especially when you lose a friend, you know, as Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, and a man laid down his life for his friends. And so there's a closeness that is almost hard to explain but it's the day in and day out. He spent that time with them. He, he lived with them. He walked with them. He talked with them. He listened to them. And God is listening to you. And then when you get to these five chapters in John, which I encourage you to read, uh, look at some of the things that Jesus said and did. The first thing, one of the first things he did, chapter 13, is he washed their feet. I don't know. It doesn't get more close than that. To, to wash somebody's feet. And back in that day, it was more needed because of the walking with the, the, in the sand and the sandals and everything like that. But early on in our church here, we did a, <laughs> we did a foot washing service on a Sunday morning, and I probably won't ever do that again. But to talk, about, talk about clearing out half the church after that one because, we, I mean, we don't like that stuff. Well, maybe some of you like it, but it's just, just not fun. But you're talking about getting personal and washing each other's feet. Jesus served them. He knew them. He affirmed them. He reminded them of his presence as you go into the chapters there. He said, I'm going away, but I'm, going to, I'm not going to leave you as, as orphans. I'm not going to leave you without 
my Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He will be with you and in you and upon you. And then he opened up to them in these chapters. He said, I want to tell you who I am, and I want to tell you who my Father is, and I want to tell you who the Holy Spirit is. And, and nowhere had that been revealed like it was in those chapters up until that point. And we get this awesome revelation of who God is in those chapters that up into to that moment in human history had never been known. God revealing himself in those moments, and we get to read and know about what those things were. He's open with them. He's transparent with them because that is what intimacy is about. And then you come to John chapter 17, and literally the, the entire chapter is a prayer. And he's, I just want to read some of this, but Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, that they may what? Know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And then on, down on verse 20 it says, I do not pray for these alone, but I pray for those who will believe in me through their word. <clears throat> do you know that he's praying for you in that, in that verse right there? He says, I'm praying for these, but I'm also praying for those who will believe in me later on, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. You know, that is one of the great messages of the New Testament, us in Christ and Christ in us. That, in fact, that's probably the greatest message of the New Testament when you think about it, that God wanted that to happen for us. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I, I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may be made perfect in one. That the world may know that you have sent me. And have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you. But I have known you and these have known you that sent me. And I have declared to them your name. And I will declare it that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Wow. The same love that our Father God loved Jesus, he said, I know that you want to give them that same love, that same close relationship. And this isn't about knowing a God that's way out there. This is a God that wants to come and live and be inside of you. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And many Christians are satisfied 
with just accepting Jesus as their Savior and getting their ticket to heaven and then gliding along because they're saved and then just living their life without growing in their relationship with God. But I, I hope and pray that you're not satisfied with that, that you really want to and long to know more of Christ in your life. It's about having a hunger to know God on a deeper level, not just knowing God, but allowing him really to come in and know you. And you say, well, God knows everything, doesn't he? I mean, doesn't he know everything about me? He made me, he knows everything, right? That's true. But at the same time, he says he wants to come in and know. And I think really what that's saying is it's that we're opening up our lives to him in transparency, in honesty, because really you can't have intimacy without honesty, and saying, God, this is what's going on in my life. And this dark closet over here that I keep shutting off and not allowing you in, I know that you want to come in and know every area of my life. But I've been closing you off, and now I want you, I open the the door as smelly and as dark as it is, I want you to come in to every area of my life and every area of my heart, and I want you to set it straight with me and I setting it straight with you, Lord. Come in to every area. Invite Jesus into every area of your life and your social life. Oh, that's just for me to have that, that, you know, that stuff over there. That's just, you know, I've got my vices, and I, you know, God understands that. No, God understands that you need to repent <laughs> and get right with him in every area of your life, right? Amen. Amen. Easy, easy, easy. So what about coming into the, to our attitudes? Lord, come in and know my attitudes. When I fly off the handle, I want you to come in and know me and change me, Lord. And that's really the heart's cry, isn't it? Change me, Lord. God doesn't change. We need to change. We need holy change in our life. If you ever get to a place where you think that you don't need to change, then you're, that's a bad place to be. If you feel like you've arrived spiritually, I've arrived, and someday the rest of you will come up to where I am. Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this old decrepit sinner over here who's praying. I'm fully right with you, and, and God says, that guy went home not justified, and the one that was beating his chest saying, I'm a sinner, Jesus said, is the, is the one who went home justified because of the humility of his heart. And so he wants to come in and be intimate with us. And I think a lot of people are okay with having a shallow understanding of who God is, but God wants to be close with you. He wants to open up your understanding and help you to know more of him. Oh, can I just say something real quick? So Pastor Jack, okay, I I saw, you know, right now people are doing a lot of, video clips of him and things that he said and giving him some tribute. And one of the video clips I saw, I, I was just loved. He was talking almost in tears, but he was talking about worship before the throne. And he said, you know, in Revelation it says that the 24 elders, they and the angels, they bow before the throne. They, they lay down their crowns before the throne, they bow before him, and they cry out, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. 
And then it says they get back up, and then they, as soon as they get back up, they bow down again. And then this is happening 24-7 around the throne. But Pastor Jack, in this video clip I saw last week, said that, he goes, I discovered that in the original language that what's happening there is they're looking at God before the throne. They're seeing something of his greatness They're bowing before him. They're laying down their crowns. They stand back up. They peer and look into him again, but this time they see something of of who he is that they had never seen before. And then they bow down because of that and who he is. They bow down again. They lay down their crown, and then they stand up. They look, and they see again something they have never seen before. It's so powerful. And he's in tears as he's saying this. And now, for real, he's before the throne worshiping the Lord, but that happens when we worship him. That happens when we grow closer to him and we want to know more of who he is. He reveals something to us of who he is that we had never seen before. We get that in the word when we're in the word every day. We get that when we're worshiping him and in his presence, we see things that we'd never seen before. And God wants that. He wants to reveal himself to us. And you and I are growing together. We're not just growing single to, in our relationship with the Lord. We're growing together and we're helping each other grow in the Lord. That's important because there's, there's a handful of Christians, and I've been aware of this over the years, that they think that, you know, I'm just going to do this on my own. I'm going to grow with the Lord on my own and have my own personal relationship with God. And, and it doesn't really matter to have other people in my life help me grow. You will not grow that way. In fact, you go backwards because the way God designed everything is that we grow together. He said, don't forsake the assembling of yourself. Come together, grow together. And you don't have opportunity to grow if you're not together because things come up and they do. Guaranteed, guaranteed. Oh, that believer really ticked me off in church. Okay, do you want to go off to some island somewhere and, and, you know, grow as a monk out there? Or do you want to stay with it? You know, as they say, cry a river, build a bridge, and get over it, right? Get over it. Get over it. And that's where you grow because you're growing together. Okay, that was extra. All right. So I've got 10 things here. Steps to intimacy with God. The first is spend time with God. If you want to grow closer to someone, you spend time with them. That's actually a love language, is spending time. And then second, listen to God. Instead of just always talking in your prayers, God has a lot of wisdom and insight he wants to give you, but if you're always talking, then you're not listening. And you need to listen to what God is saying in your life. Amen? Amen. And then talking to God, tell him what's going on. Be honest with him. David was honest. We read it in the Psalms. David was honest and transparent about what he was feeling. God, you've forsaken me. You know, that's just being honest how he's feeling. Did God really forsake him? No. But he's feeling, he's he's showing transparency and being honest with God. And and, and that's, God can handle that. And then number four, be honest and truthful with God. That's where the intimacy comes, honest and truthful with God. Number five, turn away from sin, because sin will block you from 
having a close relationship, close fellowship with God. First John 1, 9, we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So every day, ask the Lord, Lord, what, what do I need to get right with you? Because I want to be close with you. Don't let anything be between us in Jesus' name. And then number six, surrender to God and stop trying to control everything. If we're trying to control everything, that means God is not allowed to be God in our life. We need to trust him. Amen? Trust him. And then when we surrender all to him, then he reveals himself to us in that way. Number seven, go from self-centered to being God-centered. That means that who's on the throne of your heart? Is it the enemy? Is it things? Is it idols? Is it yourself? Which is really behind all, all that, that I just said. Or do you dethrone that and say, God, I want Jesus, I place you at the center of my life. Be the king of my heart. In fact, could we do that right now? Would you just say, God, I dethrone every other idol, and I set you up, Lord Jesus, as the king of my heart, the center of my life. No other gods before you. No idols or images. You alone are God of my life. You alone are on the throne of my life. Not myself, not the enemy, not the world, not my flesh, nothing else. Just you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Eight, let go of your fears of God. You know, that can keep you from coming close to God if you think that he's always out to get you. Well, you know, I've had some rough stuff happen in my life, and it must have been that just God just doesn't like me, so I'm going to stay away from him. That is a lie of the enemy. Why? Because God is, the Bible says God is good and he does good. That is his character. That is his nature. You can trust him. You can go to the Father, and you always will get love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, goodness, everything good of the Father's heart towards you. And if you believe anything else than that, it's a lie that the enemy is trying to keep you away from God, saying you that you know he's just a killjoy. He's out there to, to, to kill people and things like that. No. The Bible says in John 10.10, the thief, the enemy, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Can somebody say amen? Amen. So let go of your fears of God. Number nine, let go of your unbelief. Unbelief will keep you. And by the way, the the number before this, number nine, no, no, excuse me, number five, is really the result of sin is the, is the cause of, of unbelief. Sin is the cause of unbelief. Because remember, Adam and Eve sinned, and they went away from God. And there's people who, you know, if they, they give in to atheism, it's really that they haven't come to the cross and dealt with their sin. And because of it, they feel distant from God, because sin separates us from God. It's, it's very simple. And yet we've complicated it. But really what's behind all of it is sin. And then the unbelief happens. And then people say, well, I don't even know if there is a God. Well, you haven't come to him and surrendered your life to him and come to the cross and confess your sins. And then he, you know, you get the revelation of who he is. Jared and Sherlyn sent me a video 
th- this morning, and this guy is driving down the, <laughs> driving down the, the street. It's raining out, and he goes, all right, if there is a God, just let lightning strike right now. And it goes, boom, <laughs> and it happens. It's on the video. And he goes, oh, I, I think I need to be concerned right now. <laughs> and Jared and I were talking about it before the service, and I said, you know, it's probably that in his heart he was, there's something in him that had faith that was saying, God, I need you to reveal yourself to me. Because someone who is just flat-out unbelief and doesn't want to have anything to do with God I don't really believe God's going to answer that because it's almost like the Pharisees that said, you know, show us if you're really the one. They didn't believe. Let's just show us if you're really the one. And Jesus is like, no, no, either you believe or, or not. Believe by the things I've said and believe the miracles. But no, we want to see more signs. It's like, no, I'm not, I'm not showing you. But to the heart that says, you're the Messiah, I believe it. God says, I'm going to reveal myself. To you, and I think there's probably some faith in that guy that saw the lightning strike. But and you can tell by his response. I think I need to be concerned. That means I need to get right with God, right? Okay. So let go of your unbelief, and then number ten, the last one: never be too busy to be with God. Never be too busy to be with God. And I think a lot of times we get distracted. We are too busy, and we haven't put God as number one in our life, number one in our heart. And we think, well, I'll, I'll get to my Bible reading. I'll get to my prayer. I'll get to church someday. When really that should be at the top of the priority list. That should, because he said it in Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. And that's talking about provision. Seek him first. Everything else will be added to you. So I want to ask you a question as we've gone through these 10. What is more valuable to you than a personal, intimate relationship with God? It's about priorities, isn't it? It's about priorities. God says, if you pursue me with all of your heart, he guarantees he will never, ever disappoint you. Amen? Amen. So it all starts with, first of all, it starts with inviting Jesus to come into your life, come into your, don't try to get close to God without coming to the cross, without coming to Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So you got to come to Jesus and and get right with him, invite him to come into your life.